This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. Today I got Irene Koo, who is a local for what it's worth. On this podcast, everybody else has been remote. Nobody has been within like a half an hour. No one's been in my time zone, to be perfectly honest, for quite a while. So it's so nice to have you here. Tell me where you are and uh, introduce yourself. Thank you, Tamar, for having me on the podcast today. Um, so my name is Irene. I am a founder and CEO of Mama Koo. It's an app for anxious travelers and diners to find local recommended restaurants that are organized by uh, local specialties, local regional specialties that you can um, really enjoy in that particular destination. I'm currently based in New York City. I am in a financial district. Um, So during the COVID lockdown, we've been able to take a walk here and there um, around the river. So very blessed to have but we're definitely still stuck in the concrete jungle majority of the time. So it's very nice to be able to connect with the outside world through this podcast. It's nice that that we're able to connect. And I have to say, for my personal experience, being able to have community uh, in the context of coronavirus online community, it's it's funny because I'm reading a lot of like, I'm reading like Brené Brown right now. And she I think she might have made a comment about like how social connection, online connection isn't the same as real life connection. And yes, she's 100% true. But I think if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have been able to survive through the coronavirus. Um, and I think a lot of us probably feel the same way. That thank God we do have an element of connectivity in these in these unprecedented, and I'm sorry to use the buzzword times. So yeah, so I want to talk about like your, because I know you had a very unlikely path to where you are today. So please tell me your story. Sure. So yeah, um, it's uh, when I first started um, working, I I was in the real world and I I spent um, about eight years in investment banking. Um, I was, I started off in New York and I was in Seoul for a bit. um, And I was also in Hong Kong and I really enjoyed my job contrary to what a lot of people thought (laughs) and that's because I was able to sort of meet a lot of clients a lot of these corporate clients and at times I felt that I was growing with them we were climbing the corporate ladders together and and I felt that there was value to what I was doing and I love the people that I worked with which actually makes all the difference right um Unfortunately, that all kind of came to an end because I was faced with an illness um, and that um, essentially um, forced me to leave my job and seek uh, treatment, which wasn't quite straightforward. So um, it took me, now I can speak in hindsight that it it, it, it ended up taking me about a year to go through various treatments, um, operations and procedures, um, plus figuring out a self-care regimen that worked for me. Um, And then I eventually um, came to, in that process, learned that I had this epiphany 
And in, in during during that period, I had a near death experience, which um, made me realize, hey, by this age, I really wanted to have traveled around the world. And now that I didn't have a job to that I that 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 um, I had to go back to, this is the perfect time. So I figured I would reward myself a little bit and booked around the world ticket and that I that I could use up for a whole year, packed my bags and left solo. Um, and in that journey, I realized that even if I did quite extensive research online um, or asked the hotel concierge that I could still um, miss out on something on a regional specialty on something that I can only have um, in that particular country or something that I should have tried because I may not come back here um, for the rest of my life. So um, I really wanted to start something that made that process, that research process a lot easier um, for fellow travelers and diners um, and even for the locals. So, um, so here we are. So now I've, um, I went, I completely transitioned um, from, my, uh, from an unexpected experience of dealing with my illness to go from finance into now tech. Yeah, it's funny. I don't even know if I would consider it tech. I would consider it health. It's it's funny. It's also, that's my biggest challenge as a fragrance founder who's trying to disrupt fragrance. I don't know yeah. if I'm fragrance. I don't know. I'm definitely not beauty. I don't think I'm wellness anymore. And it's funny because all of my podcasts to date have been, oh, I'm talking about fragrance and wellness. Everyone's like, you got to tackle mental health because that's more niche and wellness is too saturated. Fragrance is too saturated. I don't know where I am. And I think that's the same thing. It's about defining and figuring out where you fit. I don't even know that. Yeah. 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 I completely agree because everyone has their own story. So like where, where you find your niche is probably a hybrid of things that exist out there. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think, I know we talk about this in general uh, as part of the podcast, but would you consider your rise above the ashes story kind of like this illness I mean, you talked about how you had a near-death experience and how you're, you kind of decided, I'm going to, uh, just F it, I'm going to go travel the world, experience what it is before it's too late. I don't want to say before it's too late because, you know, you're here and thank God you're here. But like, what, like, do you, do you tie that into that? Is that part of that, I, your identity in that journey? Absolutely. And I, and I honestly, and, and I say that because I don't think I would have um, left uh, the industry um, if, if it weren't for that particular um, experience. So I'm happy to go into more details, especially um, because I, I, I want to increase awareness. So what I had was, um, what I had at the time and might still have is called endometriosis. And, um, and it actually impacts people on a very wide scale um, in terms of the symptoms, pain. For me, it was um, so debilitating to the point where I could not hold a conversation one-on-one without blocking out um, or experiencing an ext- very acute pain. So I had to be treated for it, but it, the it actually, even though it impacts about 10% of the female population around the world, um, doctors say uh, there's no cure for it. There's no known cause for it. Um, so we're really out there to fend for ourselves and figure out what works. 
and the treatment starts um, could could start with something as um, simple as birth control pills, but it could be if you try things here and there, but you know different people experience different side effects, um, or it could work for them, but. Um, unfortunately, it took me a really long time to figure out something that worked for me. And eventually I had to opt for um, uh, operations that were quite invasive. I went through a couple of rounds of, um, of egg freezing. And being told at age 30 that I had to, you know, to hear from a specialist that I should have my uterus removed was actually quite shocking. Um, and I wanted to, not, not that I always look forward to motherhood, but I never thought that I would have to eliminate that option. So I did everything within my power to spend time to research um, and talk to more specialists and really take hold of what was going to be my fate. And I wasn't going to just let one person's opinion dictate um, how I was going to live my life. That was kind of a defining moment because, you know, when you go through these experiences and you're getting all sorts of, uh, all sorts of opinions, everyone has their opinions. Uh, oh, maybe, you know, you, I've even had um, a doctor tell me, you know, you're, the pain you're experiencing is just, it's just peri pain. So you should suck it up. And that's probably the most patronizing thing that I've been told because you're not listening to me, right? And to have to defend yourself when you're already feeling so weak and beaten and to get up and say, no, this is, I, I cannot take that as an answer. There has to be a reason why I'm feeling the way I am and I'm gonna fix it. And what I realized through that experience is the more I, told myself that I was in control of what was going to happen, the better I felt, the more I was able to get up and kick myself outside to, this is definitely during a uh, pre-COVID um, era. So I was able to go outside to run. I was able to try different things in my diet. Um, I did listen to doctors to go through um, treatments, but you have to, like you cannot let other people steal your rhetoric. I I didn't. Yes, the whole experience of being treated and for endometriosis is part of me. It is part of you know who I am. I can't change that. But what, how I respond to that incident is matters more. It defines me more of who I am um, today. So. I'm not gonna lie, it was definitely you no know, picnic in the park. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. What just I, I have to ask, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the approach here, but was the doctor who said told you to suck it up? Um, what was the gender of that doctor? He he was male, but okay, you just <laughs> he's answered it all. That's what I wanted to yeah. know. But you know, I've actually had um, I've also heard patronizing comments from women. Some uh, women doctors, some some have told me, this is um, women gynecologists who told me, you know, this will all go away when you have kids. 
And please tell me you have scientific evidence of that because then maybe I should consider having kids because I have to, I cannot live this way, right? But you know, they'll just sort of use anecdotes to to tell me that, that, that there is a solution. And I'm like, I'm not in a serious relationship or in a position to get married. Like I'm not gonna have children to get rid of the pain, but like you to be told that that's that might be a viable option is really <laughs> by a medical professional who's supposed to give me medical advice was really puzzling. Well, I could share a story. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> um, I, when I was, maybe I should. Um, this is a super, super personal story. So I don't even know. Like I said, I don't know if I should share it. But uh, I have something that I guess you would call vaginismus. And basically it means that sex, or in the beginning, like was extraordinarily excruciating. And when I first had it, I didn't know what to do. Um, and I didn't know what to do. So, like I went to multiple, multiple OBGYNs who basically told me the same thing that um, your anatomy looks fine, everything is fine, but they were very dismissive. I might have gone to like five of them. And oh. I got so desperate that yeah. I, especially because as one of the, one of the, de- one of the doctors, uh, the, the gender didn't even matter. I've w- met with men and women, same situation here. And I, one of the, one of them told me, you know what, maybe you need to see a psychiatrist or psychologist. Actually, I went to a psychologist. Oh my goodness. So he said to me, maybe you see a psychologist. And he recommended this specific psychologist. And I went to her and she didn't have a clue. Like she wasn't a sex therapist. She was just a regular therapist. And her, yeah. solu- her suggestion was, you know, maybe you'll have, if you have kids, you will, um, you, you'll stretch out and it'll feel better. Yay. So, <laughs> well, I was oh already, I, I was maybe three or four years into my marriage then. And we were discussing having children, but this, it was just so painful. Uh, so, and I like, there, we tried things like lidocaine, but I don't even want to give you the graphic description here. The, the, the like, it's like kind of like rubbing your body against the tight, tightly woven rubber bands. I can't even describe the pain, as I said. Mm-hmm. Even with lidocaine, it was, I wouldn't even say it was minimized. Maybe like it was minimized 10, 20%, if that. I, I had a baby and nothing changed. Nothing changed. So I ended up going to, um, I got desperate, like super desperate. I, I found like a, a website called vaginismus.com and I got their guidebooks and their products, which was just like a, uh, a straight dildo type thing. But it was, it was like literally just a, it, it wasn't decorated or anything. It was just to practice easing your way into that. And with that, I wasn't really dealing with too much agony, but whatever, it didn't work. That product didn't work. I might've tried that for a year. So again, going back to being desperate, finally like going to like psychology today and finding several psychologists that kind of work with this. And I reached out to three of them and one of them ended up um, talking to me, taking her time, like she was like in the other side of the world. And she spent the, um, she spent time explaining to me what the issue was. And she said, what you need to do is see this doctor in this area. She found this doctor. And she says, talk to him. I spoke to him. He's like, you need to see a pelvic floor specialist. 
I didn't know that this existed. And I'm already like, how many years into my marriage now? Five years into my marriage. And it's just, it was, it was not a comfortable experience for me and my husband, my poor husband. And I ended up seeing this pelvic floor specialist and she did like all these exercises and thankfully the pain went away. But it, I, it was, it was years, wow. years of like begging people to understand that there's an actual problem here. So I get right. it. I totally identify with your struggle and apologies for that strong tangent, but <laughs> I guess it aligns and it's my first time getting very uh, personal in that, in that area. Yeah. Th- thank you for sharing. It's just so frustrating. Frustrating is not, it would be a euphemism, right? <laughs> in that scenario um, to, to, tell you that it's a real to tell someone that it's a real problem and then they don't listen they don't take you seriously and and you just have to keep swimming against the current um so yeah thank you so much for sharing that um i yeah I mean, i'm sorry you had to go through it yeah one day i'm gonna write a book on all this stuff because there's a lot of lot lot i discovered in per- self-discovery in this context but I mean, to be told that, you know, having kids is the solution to your problems is never the solution to your problems. And yeah. mentally it causes a lot more problems, but I, I, yes, that's absolutely. not even where it was going with that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I do feel very um, passionate about sharing the fact that what I had was endometriosis because I know there are a lot of people out there that might think it is just the period pain and will be sucking it up because they're being told the same message that I was. Um, so I do want people to just kind of take a step back and think if this doesn't feel normal to you, then you should just continue to seek out a, um, additional advice because not not everyone is of the same um it's, yeah, not not everyone is going to get you, unfortunately. So it just trust your gut and and make sure you get it checked out. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like sometimes it's about hump, hopping from specialist to specialist. It's not about sticking with the same one, especially when your your concerns are disregarded. And I think that's a big part of part of the issue here that people do not necessarily. Uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the thought process is that things are psychosomatic. And I will say there have been times when I was depressed uh, that I probably have gone to doctors who have, who have treated me and it was psychosomatic. So, but thank God there were other times where I just needed to be persistent enough to be able to find the assistance that I needed. And uh, thankfully I will say that the, I mean, there are still issues that I have with my life that I probably haven't found the right specialist for. But that being said, you know, I, I'm like, I'm from where I was in that particular situation to today. I mean, you know, I've been married now for 15 years and God forbid I wasn't able to have any closure on that. I mean, it would be absolutely brutal. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's about being persistent and trying to figure it out and working, sometimes even working through it. <laughs> I don't want to say working through your pain. It's it's not, but you need to, like, be determined that there will eventually be, like, a light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I know right now in your situation, I mean, we're still in the, you know, it's the end of June now. Um, the world is still, it's spinning, but spinning slower than it used to. <laughs> I guess that's the right way to put it. How, I mean, you know, the product, everything you do, I think is amazing. Are you seeing any type of like fallout in that context? I mean, or not so much fallout, but like how has the, how have things affected you in what you're doing right now? Um, is it, are there pivots that you're experiencing? Anything that's going on like business-wise? Absolutely. Um, I, I think with airlines operating at about 10% of their capacity, there is definitely uh, an impact on, I think that the COVID's impact on travel industry is travel and hospital hospitality is probably the biggest um, among other aspects of, of our economy. And what we've done um, during this time is to actually just take a step back and reflect on the things that we would have wanted to do if we had a little bit of extra time. So we've um, been, we just hunkered down and told ourselves some of the feedback that we got in the past was, hey, we would use this, but I wish you had this city. So we've been very prolific and um, been trending out a lot more content. We've had local recommendations, like a backlog of local recommendations that we had not been able to get to just because um, the team was so um, thinly stretched before. But um, now we've had a little bit more time to concentrate on the, on you know, the, on producing um, more city guides because we do think that travel demand is quite pent up right now. And eventually when it is safe, um, people will be getting out there. Also, um, in terms of um, that's that's sort of continuing continuing to do what we were what we intended to do, but the pivots that we added along the way were adding um, places that you can um, uh, that were already on the Mamaku list of restaurants, but tagging the places that were doing takeout and delivery, so you could just search for NYC takeout. Um, or LA takeout. Those are the two US cities that we cover right now. Um, we'll be adding more, but just so you have that optionality to um, to quote unquote dine out um, in this environment. Um, where we also already had um, restaurants tagged for outdoor dining pre-COVID, but I realizing just across the street, uh, um, we have a Capra Grill which is right across like a pile of garbage that comes out of my building. So, but people were still lining up to get, they had pulled out like these, these uh, bar tables with bar stools outside and covered it with like, you know, nice white cloth to make it seem like they have some semblance of outdoor dining. And people are still lining up for that to be facing garbage bags. <laughs> and eating steak outside. So if that's what people want to do, as long as they can do it safely, right? We should we kind of 
we should be the ones giving people the option to either dine out safely or, you know, or order takeout and they can just choose whatever they feel more comfortable with. So we've um, been very actively tagging places so that you can just search again in our app, outdoor dining and, and you'll see options um, show up, um, whatever is near you. Um, another thing that we're doing is we do realize that travel is going to recover a little bit closer to home now. So people will start um, going to, from New York, I would think more people have been going out to the Hamptons already. Um, to upstate New York, or maybe parts of uh, New England to sort of venture out um, by car um, and avoid flying. So we're adding more um, places you can find um, in, in the region. Um, and that goes, um, that goes the same for LA as well. Cool, cool. Yeah, I have to say people are, I think people mostly enjoyed the outdoor dining next to the garbage bags for the Instagrammable options and moments that they can capture that they're actually outside their closed doors. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, to get outside, I mean, like you said, you were in the con concrete walls. I, I live, you know, you live in the city, Manhattan proper, and I live about a half an hour train to the city. And the... I mean, the difference is that we have a yard and I have so many friends and family who are trying to get out of their concrete walls so that they can make it to the city. That's that's a huge thing. It's it's a it's a big struggle right now for people. They want to really see a little bit more beyond the, the air shafts that they they usually get because <laughs> that's that that was my view when I was living in the city for yeah pretty much every apartment that I lived in in the city you don't really get to see very much yeah. so yeah so I mean if it's if it's if it's sitting on the porch not if it yeah if it's sitting outside and you get to see people walking it's it's a completely different dynamic it's it's scenery <laughs> it's completely scenery yeah absolutely um so let me ask you your question like the the next question i mean self-care i know this is really part of your self-care in terms of adopting a healthy nutrition that kind of speaks to your requirements in focusing on health what is your standard self-care um beyond the your emphasis on nutrition sure so um i think it's specific to myself in in terms of nutrition, which I'll touch on very quickly, is I did try to um, eliminate things that gave me inflammation. So um, that was um, gluten, if I can avoid it, and dairy, if I can avoid it. But I just I, I, I love dairy a little too much, <laughs> and um, so I'll, I'll I'll indulge myself every now and then. One big change for me was I realized I've become allergic to soy and I didn't realize that until I, because I had, I grew up eating soy sauce and um, soybean paste. I'm Korean by background. So it was very much surrounded with that ingredient my entire life. And I did not realize that some of the symptoms I was experiencing had to do with that. I kind of chucked it up to, oh, I, it must've been something else that I ate. 
So it took me a while to actually boil down. That's what was affected, affecting me. So um, I had to you know, try to um, avoid those things. And besides that, I did um, sort of build in a more uh, regimented schedule of going for jogs. I haven't been do as good with that as I wish I would have um, during COVID, but um, it's also a bit of a balance, right? <laughs> um, I do more stretches at home now that we're sort of indoors most of the time, um, stretches and I did uh, yoga classes before. So I would just try to mimic <laughs> um, what I had learned and in my previous yoga classes in um, my PT sessions and just do what I can. Um, I would say every other day if I can. Um, and normally I, I did go for runs about two, three times a week. And that's kind of dropped down to maybe once a week now, but um, But it's yeah. good, you're, you're showing up, just, that's the thing. You're showing up, that's that's yeah, important. Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't like, right now I think COVID has thrown everybody off their, 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 their normal paths. I mean, we, we don't have transitions. That was something that was said in a previous podcast. That to me has changed everything for me. But you know, a lot of people probably have dropped some of their fitness entirely. And the fact is once a week, you're, you, you still got it. So, you know, it's, it's, and it's also in the back of your mind, you know, when this gets, oh, when this is over, things are going to get, I'll probably get back to my regimen. I'd like to think that as well. So good for you. Don't, don't <laughs> like, I feel like there, I, I feel like there's a little bit of hesitation in your voice saying, yeah, it dropped down to one time a week. I'm not proud of it. But you know what? Be proud because you're still there. <laughs> so on point. <laughs> yeah. Um, every, I, I will say for my update, cause I have been talking to people in this, in the context of my own self-care that I got, I was taking care of too many restaurants. So I put on a lot of weight, uh, and I stopped running and I stopped doing fitness and workout classes. And certainly like the same thing, you're kind of figuring out your yoga moves right now. I'm trying to like mimic my, my kickboxing classes at home. But I started about six days ago that I said to myself every single day, I'm going to break a sweat, like truly break a sweat. And i using an app called seven weeks. It's only available for Android right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, 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 it's based on this uh, Reddit concept called the X effect. And it's basically, you have a seven by seven grid and every single day, it's like seven weeks, seven days a week. Uh, every single day you do something, you just exit out and you're supposed to like, look at yourself and say, Oh my God, I was able to accomplish something. So that's oh, what wow. I'm trying to do for myself. Um, I, I use the app. I have two goals right now, break a sweat and one meal a day. I was lax on one meal a day for the last two months. Well, actually, no, it's been four months now. It's crazy. It's really almost four months for me. And I'm back to it, and I've picked up running again and literally breaking a sweat, which means last night, for example, I started a workout at 11 p.m. so that I can make sure I get in before midnight. So wow. I'm proud of myself for actually getting back to it. Cause that's the thing. If I probably dropped running altogether, I probably wouldn't be able to do it. It's harder to pick it up when you drop it entirely, but when you still have it, you still have it and you're going to get it. So for my, my takeaway here is that Irene, you're not running once a week now, but we're going to get there and you're going to get there. And I, I, I have faith in you. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. And that's really, that's really admirable that you're still squeezing in your exercise at 11pm. That's, 
Well, yeah, you know, the thing was that for the last four months, I really, I, I did a lot with the community because, you know, when I said I was in Westchester, I didn't tell you I was in New Rochelle. So, you know, that whole uh, Westchester patient zero, I, I know the guy. I, I think I was part of that. I, I was part of that outbreak. I had coronavirus from it. So, you know, in that context, I literally, instead of focusing on myself, which, yeah, my health went down a little bit. But like I focused on our community. I did a lot of that WhatsApp stuff. I did a lot of feeding the community. I probably I have to count because I at this point I think I need to. I probably brought about seventy restaurants to feed us here, and I felt a financial obligation to support them as well, which yeah. obviously translated to extra pounds on me. No regrets <laughs> for doing it. It just means that I'm going to have to work, especially because I have a, a family. I have a family wedding <laughs> soon, and I I want to make sure I don't look like I my especially because i have a, an overly critical mother that <laughs> i don't want her to see <laughs> so this this is seriously like i said break a sweat one meal a day is my goal and so yeah. far i think in the last three days i lost two pounds and wow. i have it's like 10 percent of the way there so i'm i'm happy that I'm, that I'm there but it's gonna it's gonna require work and i i intend to i intend to deliver that's that's incredible I, i'm not sure if i can i can do that but that's really kudos to you well yeah and and good on you on supporting the community thank thank you for doing that (laughs) yeah you know i don't think people realize how much work i put into this i talk about it but like it's a lot of people just take it for granted i really think that at this point you know i put a lot of effort in everybody else and i still am i haven't forgotten about them i think as things are starting to slightly re- reopen like you said you're starting to see more travel as well we have waning interest in uh, supporting the restaurants which is a little bit sad um, because when people were furloughed and they didn't have work they were so <laughs> more supportive of the restaurants now but now they can go out and about for me personally i never i never went out so this was like my opportunity to be like oh let me get mm-hmm. to eat all the food that i never got to try uh, but <laughs> you got to draw a line eventually. And you know what? Like, it's you have to have you have to have the right mindset. Like you said, I can't do it. You might not be able to do it right now. But there's always a time in your life where you, you'll have ebbs and flows. And um, like I said, you know, you're still showing up. There will be a day where you'll say to yourself, this is this is my week to start running again twice or three times a week and like that's but but it's it's like i guess habits you know the james clear atomic habit um model is something that i try to follow even if it's like incremental stuff or just again just doing it making it a habit so that it's a daily thing for me but the fact is that it's a weekly thing for you is that you're still doing it so (laughs) thank you um, I did, I, I think I kind of left off one last bit of self-care. It's, um, as, as I was listening to you, I was just reminded. Um, I did try to eliminate using plastic in a lot of aspects of my life, just because I've also read that that does sort of interfere or disrupt your natural hormones, hormonal balance, and that has been known to be linked with um, endometriosis. So I mean, and, and and that's good for the earth. So you're doing earth care too. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I think that's great. Um, sometimes you have to have a person, a selfish interest in 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 being sustainable. Um, right. <laughs> I will say that I just to make you if 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 that sounds if that sounds horrible, I will say that my kids have been throwing away so many paper plates that I decided to start going to Corel plates. 
So I have my own washable plates now and I'm not wasting plates anymore. Nice. And it was, it, it might've been a financial decision, but at the same time, <laughs> it's a sustainable decision. So yeah, there's a little bit of selfishness that kind of ties into some of our sustainability goals. And I don't know if we regret that. I, I think for my brand in, in particular, um, you know, I have to start in the most lean and affordable fashion. Like I said, it's a, a financial uh, goal, but I, I mean, this that's something that for me it is a is on my roadmap in terms of like speaking to that so i think it's important because i don't know what's going to kill us uh, i think if 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 all these viruses like yesterday they announced that china discovered some sort of pandemic type of flu that was in pigs that might be like covid um you know we're we're if if, if these the viruses don't kill us first then the planet will and maybe this is the planet's way of telling us we need to take care of it so yeah. I want to do, I want to play my part and whatever way you play your part, however way you need to do it, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. I think it was mother nature's way of, you know, nudging us, stop messing with me. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to get, you know, we, the human human race can become extinct soon if this continues. I don't know. This is, I don't yeah. even know. It's like a joke, but at the same time, that was totally on my mind. Like, this is, we have, either we have, you know, the virus and we're overcoming it, or we have these masks that are like, you know, the, the politics of masks and the safety, yeah. the, poli- yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I, it's yeah. just, it's, it's never ending. So something's gonna, Mother Nature's gonna say F you and gonna have to respond in some way. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the reason why I raised that is only because we're just in such an insane, insane time. And that's, we're in the heat of, of, of the, the masks being political plays for trying to deprive our brains of oxygen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Roll my eyes. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> moving on from that. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question. Um, if, and this is like, this is how I end the podcast. If you can give an earlier version of yourself any piece of advice, what would you tell Irene, the younger Irene? I think the younger Irene should know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I had a quote that was written. I think there were a lot of times when I did feel like I was swimming against the current in my life and I had to sort of beat the odds. And I was um, graduating from a school that didn't really turn out Wall Street bankers. So convincing people that I did indeed want to move to New York to work in finance was one thing. And then sort of trying to survive um, in the corporate world post um, the great, uh, the, the global financial crisis was another one um, and you know, going through my treatments which felt like it was just not going to end but and I think I can tell you whatever I shared with you today is you know in hindsight knowing that I am in a better place today but I think that there were definitely times when I beat myself up like, why did I get here? How did I get here? How did I let myself do this? And what could I have done differently? And I think I just need to, sort of, I would probably give myself a pat on the back and just say, it's going to be okay. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, I think if I had a little bit more of that peace of mind, I <laughs> could have gotten there slightly faster, but, um, or with less duress on myself. But it's, I think, 
um, I hope I'm definitely more of a glass full person today than I was before. Yeah, you know, going back to reading Brene Brown, um, I, I just finished the chapter on resilience last night. And, you know, the beginning, I think maybe the first two paragraphs of that, that book, uh, that particular chapter, it was about like how some people are more resilient than others. I definitely felt at a, per, a certain point in my life that I wasn't resilient. Like I did, I was a glass half empty person. And now hundred percent, I'm like, you know, the glass could be half full, but I, I'll see three quarters of the way full. Like that's, 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 that's a ma massive attitude change. And I think we all have the ability to see things that way, but it's a matter of seeing it within ourselves first. And it's about trusting the process also. Yeah, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but like maybe these things are happening for a reason. And when they do, and, we'll, and, and it, it'll, you can only go up from there. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Agree 100%. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you have you want to share? For those who are in in New York, in, in the greater New York area and greater LA area, uh, please do check out Mawaku. And for anyone who is um, looking to travel um, down the road, please check out the app. <laughs> Can I so, do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sh sh send me, so what's, say, type out the URL, spell out the URL so that we know. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, and, and you can you can find us at mamaku.com that's m-a-m-a-k-o-o.com um it's actually named after my mom who taught me to be adventurous and just go for the gusto and she's the kind of person who who would take me around to eat all sorts of food um and would learn Spanish six months before going to Spain, would learn Japanese six months before going to Japan. And so she can engage with the locals and bargain for her things and order food herself. So this is hopefully a way for all of us to, you know, connect through food and and, and embrace um, the diversity amongst us. So hopefully you do check it out. And if you have any feedback, please feel free to reach out to me as well. And um, I can be reached at Irene, I-R-E-N-E, -E, at mamaku, M-A-M-A-K-O-O.com. Love it, love it, love it. Awesome. Yeah, I wish you the best. And I absolutely hope that New York listeners and hopefully they'll go far beyond New York. So they'll go to the website and they'll be able to see you catering to all these different uh, locales. That would be amazing. We'll get there once, <laughs> once, once this craziness ends. Uh, so yeah, that's awesome. So thank you yeah. so much, Irene, for your time, for getting vulnerable, for getting very open and sharing your story. Thank you so much, uh, Tamar, for having me and hope everyone is staying safe. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time, 